0: I was going to fall apart, right there, right then, and they'd see precisely how ruined I was. Help me, help me, help me, I begged someone, anyone, begged Lucian, standing in the front row, his metal eye fixed on me, begged Ianthi, face serene and patient and lovely within that hood, save me, please, save me, get me out, end this. Tamlin took a step toward me, concern shading those eyes. I retreated a step. No. Tamlin's mouth tightened. The crowd murmured. Silk streamers laden with globes of gold fae light twinkled into life above and around us. Ianthi said smoothly, Come, bride, and be joined with your true love. Come, bride, and let good triumph at last. Good? I was not good. I was nothing, and my soul, my eternal soul, was damned. I tried to get my traitorous lungs to draw air so I could voice the word, No! No! But I didn't have to say it. Thunder cracked behind me, as if two boulders had been hurled against each other. People screamed, falling back, a few vanishing outright as darkness erupted. I whirled, and through the night drifting away like smoke on a wind... I found Resand straightening the lapels of his black jacket.
1: Hello, Farrah, darling,
0: he purred. Welcome! Welcome! Welcome to the House of Wind Book Club. I'm Hannah. And I'm Amber. This
1: is a fan podcast where we're going to discuss our current book obsession
0: we're going to break down chapters characters themes and gossip about our theories relevant to the current fantasy land we're exploring
1: so just so you know this podcast will contain spoilers and is explicit so proceed with caution if that's not your thing we hope you enjoy being part of our book club stay smutty
0: hello listener darling We've been waiting for you. Oh man.
1: Mist oh, and Fury. I'm here. I'm I'm already melted. I'm melting. I'm I'm a You did it yeah. to me right there. <laughs> <laughs> I Wanted to so, tease us
0: into the transition.
1: <laughs> what a beautiful transition it is, because today we are welcoming you to the very first episode of our dive into a court of Mist and Fury. Which is my favorite book, I want to say of all time. I'm gonna say of all time. I fucking love this book.
0: Bold statement. I, I like it.
1: You know, it's just like I remember the, like the first time reading it. It's just one of those like very visceral emotional responses. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna by that. But
0: yeah, I'm I like it. Get
1: ready yeah get ready for long episodes deep Mm dives dirty talk and some playful little playful banter to sprinkle on top
0: yes we we're and yeah we will talk all the dirty stuff we're not gonna skip over that shit (laughs) we love it
1: (laughs) yeah um something to note we're actually trying this out we are recording remotely so we're not actually in the same spot um So you'll have to bear with us as we kind of start from square one and the nitty gritties of audio and all that juicy good stuff. But uh, bear with us. We have video, so it still feels like we're like in person.
0: Yes, I can see your beautiful face and that's what matters. But yeah, uh, apologies in advance if you hear dog paws clicking. I live in a camper, so it's impossible to like completely get myself away from the sound. Um, But we'll do what we can and we'll try to make it better (laughs) if we can.
1: Yes, absolutely. Okay, let's dive in. Let's do it. Up until this point in our podcast, we've explored the first book. Court of Thons and Roses, and we went on the Farrah Tamlin race roller coaster that explored the human realm, Spring Court, and then Under the Mountain. Farrah saved the Fae from Amarantha, and all are free to live happily ever after. Woo-hoo! But will Farrah be able to cope with everything that happened under the mountain? At the end of the book, Farrah and Tamlin skip off into the sunset together. In the end of the book, Kind of trailed off with our last look at Reese before he winnows away with a look of pure shock on his face.
0: Oh my god, my favorite part of the entire book.
1: <laughs> Reese does not get shocked over nothing.
0: Anything. Like, has he been shocked at all no. in his life at this point? I don't think so.
1: <laughs> I don't like that. Let's dive into this shit. Let's so, do it. predictions. To how we will feel when reading this book. So Mm -hmm. for me. I actually liked Akatar better the second time. Which is really surprising to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's because on the first read. Especially with that book. You have like rose colored glasses. And now we're traumatized. We have trauma. Yes. (laughs) And it makes the reread that much more special. Because.
0: Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I agree with you. I think I was a lot more, I read it very quickly. I was very enamored by Tamlin, which is why I think that rereading Miss and Fury is going to be better for me the second time around, because I, I hated, I hated that we went from Tamlin to Reese so quickly. I hated Reese at this point, like when I read this the first time.
1: Yeah, and for me, I'm such an emotional reader. And I don't know, I, I fight with it. I feel like I can't possibly like it more because I was wrecked when I initially read this book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's going to be so, so exciting to see all of the pieces come together with our trauma eyes. Yes. <laughs> but with either way, it's going to be.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. It's going to be so fun. Yes,
1: that's right. Um, yeah. And, and because I'm such an emotional reader, I get wrapped up in my feelings uh, and I have a hard time letting go of it. So I've been, I mentioned this a few episodes ago, but I'm still in the process of making an Akatar playlist. I'm actually following through on that. That wasn't just like an empty thing I said. Um, and I'm, I'm really moody and picky with the songs I choose because something about the song has to remind me of a specific character a scene or like a general feeling or vibe that I can like explicitly link to how I felt when I was reading. Mm. Yeah,
0: so, I mean, it's a I, good thing, thing that playlist you, right now. Has... I was just going to say, it's a good thing so, that you are picky because what you've sent me that you have so far is incredible. I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So there's like a lot of intense songs, some like sensual songs, few sad songs and then some like gentle songs it's really all over the board so
0: it's fun it is i love it i listen to it on my way to work and since i do home health i listen to it between patients too so (laughs) it's perfect that's amazing that's amazing just like you oh stop (laughs) all right are we ready to get into this shit let's do
1: it chapters one through six
0: yeah, one through six. We're we're going big. We want to get through some of this beginning stuff so that we can get into more of the meat of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the thick meat. <laughs> thick meat. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. Um, <laughs> imagine if they have an author wrote. <laughs> he pulled his pants down. His thick meat fell out of his pants. He unsheathed <laughs> his thick meat. <laughs> Vegetarians everywhere proceed to vomit. <laughs> oh, oh my god!
1: Yeah, that was that was, like gross visualization.
0: I love I it. I should not be. I should not be drinking wine on a Wednesday night. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> this is okay, this it. this is for you, listeners. All right, so we enter with a prologue. Mm-hmm. Farah is having an intense nightmare about Under the Mountain where she relives her trauma, except one thing is different. Instead of stabbing Tamlin last, she stabs herself in the heart. And this kind of sets us up for how Farah sees herself. She feels like she's vile, despicable, corrupt, and unworthy. And it's absolutely heartbreaking. And like I said, sets the stage for God, for all six of these chapters, really. Okay. Um, so we chapter one, we enter after Pharaoh's nightmare and she's in the bathroom puking up her guts. She's in like full panic attack, PTSD mode. She's having a hard time grounding herself in reality. And I just have to say, if you've never experienced this, it is terrifying This the feeling that you don't know what's real and what's not. I've never experienced it myself. But when we were in PT school, Riley called me at like 5 a.m. When we were dating, we weren't living together at this point. And he was like, I need you to come over to my house right now. I had a nightmare and I feel like I'm still in it. And I went over to his house and nothing I said could convince him that it was reality. Like nothing I said could convince him. And I really think it was just like a straight up panic attack that he was having. But it was like the scariest thing to be looking at someone and telling them this is real life. And they're like, no, that just makes me feel like it's less real. (laughs) So this Mm -hmm. is like where Feyre is at right now. And so she's starting to ground herself by breathing, feeling the coolness of the tile, reorienting reorienting herself to reality. And we see that. Fera not only struggling with her mental health; she's also adjusting to her new high-fae Bahati. and she's like breaking things, bending forks when she tries to eat. And cue another Twilight reference here. This is like immediately in my head. I think of Bella <laughs> when she's a vampire and she like she's, like tries to sit down normal the in the shit chair. Out of a werewolf. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Oh my god. I love it. So yeah, everything reminds yeah, us of Twilight. Yeah,
1: breaks like Yeah, Farah breaks like what did it say? Like three glass doors on accident just by like I thought I was like closing it, but I ended up slamming the door.
0: Yeah. I think they she said like Alice had to remove all of the like um <laughs> valuables from her room.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my god, I love and,
1: it. It's just like everything everything about this like is so tragic
0: Mm -hmm. it's honestly it's seriously it's just so sad like that she's like not only does she not feel normal in her mind like she's also in a completely new body like imagine dealing with the things we deal with mental health wise and then putting on top of that like If all of a sudden you're in, like, a dude's body all of a sudden, like, and you're just like, whoa, (laughs) this is weird. Like, like, nothing is the same for her. Like, she experiences everything differently. So we also learn. Oh, go ahead. Were you going to say something else?
1: I was going to say, I feel like this is a a testament to trauma in general, because Mm -hmm. we look at the last book and we're like, how traumatic, like the actual event happening. Mm hmm. Yes, it's absolutely horribly traumatic. But a lot of times with trauma, it's not going through it. That's the hard part. It's what comes after.
0: Yeah, it's the it's the dealing with it and coping with it. That's the hard part. Um. So, yeah, we, right. we learned and, and yeah.
1: trying to recover from it.
0: Yeah, and she's having a really hard time of it. Um. We learn that Feyre hasn't heard from Reese in three months since Under the Mountain, Um, and we know that this is because Reese is dealing with the fact that Feyre is his mate. Um, And (laughs) I think, yeah, I like wild. We, I mean, obviously, we didn't know this the first time reading it, but like, it's just crazy to think about, like when when they actually are like mated, and. Like she feels the mating bond too and it's more of a mutual thing like like you know how they talk about when you're first mated like everything is heightened like you're crazy territorial you like like you just want to have sex with that person like all the time and could you imagine like bringing Farah into your home and hearing her like talk about Tamlin and like the things that he sees through the bond and like that just must it just brings a whole another level to like the act that he has to put on and the role that he has to play of like not letting her know and not letting it like get to him I I just like can't even imagine I'm sorry if even if Riley and I weren't in a mutual relationship if I was that and like if I mean that's the equivalent of like once you're you know that person's your mate it's like they're your person right And could you imagine like if someone else was, if some other girl was like sleeping with Riley and they were like in a relationship, it would be so hard. I don't think I could do it. I would probably murder her. Honestly. (laughs) Yeah. No, thank you. No, it sounds terrible. So I'm like glad that he took the time to like love that Reese is a man who understands how to process feelings and like work through that stuff because that would have made their initial bargain just terrible um she also refers to her heart as shredded bits of a shredded bit of blackness and she thinks about how i know it's seriously just so sad to me how little she thinks of herself um and she's thinking about how reese said to be glad of her human heart but she just wants to turn off her feelings and honestly who can't relate to this we've all been there at some point in our lives where you just are hurting so badly you wish that you didn't feel anything at all and this made me think of vampire diaries so I'm watching vampire diaries for the first time right now and they talk about this a Mm -hmm. lot in vampire diaries they talk about how vampires can turn off like the human part of their brain so that they don't feel like remorse or pain and like I just, like, that's where my brain went because I'm in Vampire Diary mode mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> so I saved this point for last. And I kind of generalized all of this together. I'm going to preface me talking about Tamlin with with this, okay? Good old, good old tampon. We're going to talk about him. And I have a lot of strong feelings. But I just want to preface by saying both you and I understand that both Tamlin and Farah are dealing with a lot of trauma. And that being said, that definitely influences a lot of how Tamlin is reacting to Farah when they come home. But that doesn't mean we can't be mad about it. And it doesn't mean that he couldn't have found a better way to be a better partner. Um, I do think that, you know, he's dealing with his own shit too, but when you're in a relationship, it's a two way street. Like you have to, Even if you're going through something, you have to open up and say, hey, I'm going through something. I'm not going to be able to talk about it yet, but like, just know that this is why I'm X, Y, Z or whatever.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times, like we've talked about this before, we only see it from Farrah's perspective, okay? Mm -hmm. We always understand that caveat when we're shitting on Tamlin,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but I don't care whose perspective you see it from. That what's happening in these few chapters is shit all around. Mm. It's this shit. Is... And people if you wanna if you wanna stand Tamlin till the day you die, you cannot, you cannot deny the fact that Tamlin is a shit partner. Doesn't mean that Farah is also not a shit partner, because
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't think they're really they're not they're not talking, they're not doing anything, but they're You know, we can't really pin it on a, oh, we're only seeing her perspective of it because her perspective is plenty at this point. He's not being a good partner. I don't need to see his perspective to get rationale on that. He's being a bad partner.
0: Right. And, and we also have acknowledged the parts about Reese that we have problems with as well. So we try to be very Mm -hmm. impartial on this podcast. And I think as people in general, we're just very open-minded like that, where we try to see it from all perspectives, but I just think, yeah, we'll we'll just get into it. I don't think we really have to explain it any more than that. If you have a problem with it, then we can talk about it more in detail, but yeah. So, okay, here's my first problem. Tamlin doesn't stir when Feyre is getting up to go vomit or when she's thrashing. I'm sorry. You have have advanced hearing? You're an immortal fae with literal pointed ears? so you can hear better yeah i said there's no way this bitch ain't pretending to be asleep, <laughs> he's, asleep. Yeah. he's he's not that pisses asleep me off. oh my god this made me so mad i was literally like cussing at my kindle while i was reading this so Vera <laughs> even notices this when she like was watching him sleep and his breath catches and she even <clears throat> says that he deals with the same kind of dreams and she's tried to help him, but he just shook her off and shifted into his beast form. And I just want to say communication is everything. Fera and Tamlin, you gotta fucking talk to each other. Like Unbelievable. Like I, like I said, it's fine to not want to talk, but you have to at least acknowledge that the person is trying to help you. Like, Bera, thank you for trying to help me, but like you touching me right now is sending me to a dark place. You trying to help me. I don't have space for that right now. Like, like you have to communicate that with each other. You can't just turn into a wolf and stalk out into the woods.
1: (laughs) And also like, if that, like if physical touch and her trying to help him doesn't help him, that doesn't mean that he can automatically assume the same for her. Because right. their coping strategies could be entirely different, and they, they, I'm sure they are, everyone's are, and they need a lot, much different things to actually cope and deal with their trauma. So she might need that comfort and physical touch and words to, you know, affirm the fact that she's safe, where he just kind of needs time to process and think right? I think mm-hmm. I, I see it from that perspective, because that's how Ben and I are. <laughs> I'm yep. very much like a tell me I'm okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like, touch me so I can like tangibly feel that I'm okay. And mm-hmm. Ben is like, I need to, I just need to like process this. And it's fine, Which is- because we both understand that.
0: <laughs> yes. And that's so funny, because we always talk about how you and Riley are very similar. And me and Ben are very similar in personality wise, because I'm the same way. I'm like, Mm -hmm. give me space. I need my own time to like process through this. I don't want to talk right now. And Riley's like, we have to talk about this. I have to know that we're fine. I need to know like why you're mad at me. I I need for this to be okay right now. And I'm like, no. I need 10 minutes. (laughs) Anxiety. Anxiety. It's a beautiful thing. And that's why,
1: yes. And that's why our beautiful little group of four works so Mm -hmm. well. Because obviously, like, you and I have literally everything in common, and we're, we're, very we're soulmates. Mixed. Yes, we're soulmates, and we're <laughs> super similar in a lot of ways. Yes. But then it's just like this weird thing where Riley and I have like everything that you and I don't have in common, I have in common <laughs> with Riley, and you have in common with Ben. It's like this weird, perfect puzzle pieces. And then Ben and Riley are also like this, like almost the same exact person. They're mm-hmm. like, if you would hear one of their conversations, they're like, you would think they were simultaneously best friends and mortal enemies.
0: That's true. When when I like look over my shoulder and see what Riley is texting Ben, I'm like, you're so mean. Like, all the jokes that he cracks at Ben, but I guess that's just the friendship that they have where they give each other shit and it's fun.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they have like, the same thought processes. Like the way they analyze things is so similar. But Mm -hmm. then like their opinions on everything are so
0: different. They really are. It's a magical. It works beautifully. Our inner circle is magical. I wouldn't trade it for the world. So my 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 last point within this chapter is just that, and I think I've mentioned this before. I know that Tamlin can't face what happens and this is where we kind of see where like Farah and Tamlin have great like sexual chemistry. I think Mm -hmm. they're very attracted to each other, but I think that they're just too similar when it comes to their emotions and their coping styles to ever make a, an actual relationship like function and work for them. It's just not, and it's not in the cards for them. It's not in the cauldron. (laughs) Not in the cauldron.
1: (laughs) okay so the next chapter basically starts and this is where we first get like the open it like opens the door to Tamlin's trauma responses like actually really severely impacting Farrah and her, her own mental health mm-hmm. um, so it starts out with her asking if she can go to the village with Tamlin and Lucian mm-hmm. and Tamlin is just like immediately no like firm no many times
0: And And can I, can I, can I also point out that kind of trigger warning for like relationship abuse? Because I think that what Tamlin does to Farrah is straight up, it's like emotional abuse and gaslighting. And we don't stand that either on this podcast. So I just wanted to say that. Yeah, no,
1: fuck that. (laughs) And yeah, and Tamlin all but dismisses her and she reaches for the horse's bridle with her, with her left hand. And we see on her left hand that she has a golden band with a square cut emerald atop it. We then learned Tamlin had proposed one month after they got out of the mountain and since then it has been about two months. So it's been about three months since they were under the mountain and it's been basically non-stop planning and tedious things that Farah is like, what the fuck? Who gives a shit about any of this?
0: Right. Um, It's so inconsequential (laughs) after what they went through.
1: Yeah, who gives a shit about, like, these court meetings and, you know, these stupid pleasantries that no one care. Like, she doesn't care about. It's just kind of suck face. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. And in in the chaos of learning all of the spring court history, she learned that there was not going to be one but two wedding ceremonies. And (laughs) which is just... As someone, like, I don't even... Like Ben and I are probably going to elope with like five people there. I can't imagine hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people at like ninety nine percent of which I don't know. That is actually my I, worst nightmare.
0: And like, and like multiple ceremonies. That sounds terrible. One no. is enough. God, trust you me. One is enough. You couldn't.
1: You couldn't. You couldn't pay me. You couldn't pay me. I. That sounds absolutely horrible and so the wedding at this point okay she describes the events that happen and the quote-unquote celebrations that take place and she's like clearly not happy and the wedding is only two weeks away okay so we're like this is crunch time beginning of the book we're like bam wedding um so she continues to ask him to go to the fey village that was burned when amarantha came to power but he's holding his ground And he basically says, like, go back to the house. Why don't you paint with the set I gave you for Winter Solstice? She walks back to the house and we get insight into her hatred for the bright dresses that have become her basically daily uniform. And she only wore them because she loved how happy it made Tamlin. And she's she's really sweet and she's trying really hard for his sake to like this life that he's given her in the spring court. Um, And again, she looks up to the house and she explains uh, that she returned to her painting studio. When she got home and found herself, she absolutely hated it. And she hasn't returned in the three months since. She went one time, she said, quote, I'd stopped cataloging color and feeling and texture, stopped noticing it. I could barely look at the painting hanging inside the manor. I'm like, how did Tamlin realize this? Are
0: you serious? There's no way. There's no way that he doesn't pick up on this. I, again, I think he's just ignoring it, to be honest.
1: Ugh, that makes me want to vomit. I hate that shit.
0: Yeah, it, and, it, <laughs> It's frustrating.
1: Okay. She goes into the house, and she hears her name trilled and we meet none other than who do we meet hannah your favorite
0: i loathe her guts so much ianthi bleh
1: bleh bleh bleh, bleh. Uh,
0: ianthi i have major ick yeah. from ianthi <laughs> yeah
1: okay and actually rereading this i may or may not have started binging the shit out of this book um I realized the first time I read this, I was like, Anthony, I like kind of liked her, but I feel felt like I liked her for a really long time. When in reality on the second reread, she plays like a two second role before you kind of hate her. Um, but anyway, she's a high priestess, noble and a childhood friend of Tamlin who is there to quote, help plan for the wedding. And I basically kisses the ground that Farrah and Tamlin walk on.
0: Okay. Can we just talk about like, Okay she talks about how beautiful Ianthe is and how she's like an old friend of Tamlin's you know that Farrah's like do these motherfuckers hook up at some point it's like that oh, old hot it. friend that your boyfriend has and he's like swears up and down that nothing <laughs> ever happened and you're like yeah okay <laughs> yeah
1: sure, mm-hmm. 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 sure, and okay take a step back from our hatred for her uh, we're gonna pretend that she's okay we're going to pretend like we're in Farah's headspace because Ianthi has actually been really helpful assisting Farah with the shitty side of court, right? Labeling everyone, giving her a friend when she struggled through the chaos of it all. And Ianthi kind of took the weight of like helping plan for the weddings and like being the almost like the social barrier when Farah is like struggling or kind of like falling into her like depths of depression. And the only thing at this point is uh is is I think like scolds Pharaoh for silly things and it all just seems like really petty.
0: Really petty. It's annoying. It's so annoying.
1: Everything about it seems petty and <sighs> I don't like it. I don't like it. But then Pharaoh starts to daydream, thinking about how she isn't Tamlin's mate. That there was no mating bond yet. She also thinks about how Ianthe looked more like Tamlin's mate and equal. I'm like, her thoughts are so bleak at this point.
0: She's in a very dark place.
1: She's in a dark place. And yeah. she has no feelings about the wedding. She uses Ianthe as a crutch to plan everything. And she hates her dress. And the fucking dress, you guys. <laughs> this kills me. This dress is absolutely hideous.
0: This makes me think Vera- it makes Think of you know the dress on Bridesmaids when uh she gets it from the French designer. Have you seen Bridesmaids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, "How bad is it?" And her friend's like, "Uh, it's pretty bad." And then also it, it made me think of the dress on Um Enchanted that has uh Amy Adams in it, and she her hair is like super curly and like it's this big obnoxious princess. Like, it's the hugest dress. You've, have you seen uh, Enchanted? No. Okay, you'd love it, but biggest point, if anyone's seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It is the most gaudy dress, and th- that's just where my brain went immediately.
1: <laughs> yeah, and like, the only thing Farah cares about is like, just don't have red roses. Just don't have red. Because everything red reminds, like sends Farah into like a PTSD spiral of under the mountain with blood and things. So that's the only thing she cares about. Everything else, she's like, I don't give a fuck. Do whatever you want. And you know, they they kind of I don't know. I don't know. It just like knowing what I know it just feels so cringy and whatever. She's like, I Anthony knows what she's doing. It's fine. I don't even care that I'm wearing this stupid dress. And Farah kind of dives into her daydreams about the engagement, which was as she describes the happiest day of her life. And
0: mm-hmm. she
1: wept when he proposed. <laughs> in a field of wi- wildflowers which then this they my immediately, dream immediately proceeded to make love in a field of wildflowers
0: that is my actual dream
1: <laughs> um sorry. yes um so she's like talking about this beautiful engagement and then immediately goes back to bleak right yeah. her and ianthi continue talking about nonsensical things and fara Again, in this like darkness, he she almost asks Auntie to pray for her quote to pray that I'd one day learn to love the dresses and the parties and my role as a blushing pretty bride. Oh, you won't.
0: You won't. It's just not her. No. Like it's I. This is the thing that bothers me so. Like this bothers me so much that Farah continually, she's continually just sacrificing herself and her feelings to make other people feel better. And let me just say, I used to do that shit too. And I don't do that anymore. And my life has become 20 million times better. So people, if you're still out there doing that, there's a difference between not purposefully being like mean or rude to people. And then also not taking on the responsibility of how the choices you make in life that benefit you may make other people feel bad. Don't, don't take that on. And Farah is taking that on. (laughs) And I hate mm-hmm. that.
1: Yeah. And so as night comes around, Farrah finds herself unable to sleep. And after a while, Tamlin enters her quarters. And yes, they still have separate quarters, but Tamlin sleeps in her quarters every night, which is interesting, but.
0: Um, yeah, it's kind of weird.
1: Yeah. Um, he washes up and comes to the edge of the bed and just looks at her. Just. Okay. Looks at her and begins to unbutton his shirt and then his pants. And I am imagining <laughs> intense strong eye con- like unflinching eye contact.
0: Mm, sign me up.
1: But she's not maintaining eye contact because she's too busy describing his proud thick length. Uh-huh.
0: She has her priorities straight.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't like, damn. I'd be proud too.
0: <laughs> mm, uh yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, and we- first semi descriptive sex scene of the entire series
0: yeah we're getting a little bit more spice here
1: right okay i'm gonna i'm gonna follow up on hannah's from our a few episodes ago on why tamlin is a good lover
0: love a good powerpoint presentation okay i'm buckled in i'm ready
1: number one he prioritizes her right the Mm -hmm. first thing he does is he just goes right to her and there is no talk of her touching him of her even moving other than him being solely focused on her entire body
0: Okay I'm I'm here for that yes continue Two
1: <laughs> Two he doesn't do anything or request anything for himself he doesn't even care he is like eating up the fact that he can be the one to pleasure And that's great. And he's like, he's into it because of that.
0: Oh yeah. That can be. And I feel like as a, as when it's you doing that for someone, I mean, that in itself is like a huge turn on anyways. Like, like how can I make you feel good? It makes me feel good in turn.
1: Mm -hmm. And, and he doesn't do anything for himself until Farah is begging him for it. (laughs) And he takes care of her.
0: This is number three.
1: Point number three. He takes care of her multiple times in multiple different ways.
0: Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm
1: like, okay. There's foreplay and then there's coming five times.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And 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 then proceeding to have actual like sexual intercourse. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah. That's I'm gonna keep a little notebook of like notes that I want for the bedroom. (laughs) I would like five orgasms first. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! (laughs) It's simple, really. That's all I want.
1: (laughs) want It'll only take three hours.
0: (laughs) My my fictional boyfriend can do it. (laughs) My fictional boyfriend can do it in five minutes. It's so unrealistic, but yeah, sounds <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> oh, great. Okay, back on track. Okay, yes. The first time we did this, we were talking about why, basically, that he's a good lover, right? I now have mm-hmm. a point to add to the bad lover list. One. Okay. The second they're done. Okay, sex is a very wonderful, magical thing. And it's, I am a firm believer in after sex or any sort of intimate sexual interaction there needs to be some sort and i don't want to say closure but there needs to be some sort of follow-up whether it's like communication as to like i liked this i didn't really like this or Mm -hmm. you know even just like cuddling or you know just just talking about anything really pleasant pleasantries
0: and sometimes there's just something in the sheer pleasure of just like not saying anything at all and you're mm-hmm. just two sweaty bodies laying there like thoroughly exhausted like that's also just like again it almost like yeah it's like a closure to like that was fun let's do it again <laughs> like sometime soon you know it's not like a, a like immediately. Le- let's what do you want for dinner tonight or like I should have added right. that to the grocery list
1: <laughs> yes right okay <laughs> so reason it's my only thing for him that I think he's a bad lover or a tick on the bad lover list. The mm-hmm. second they're done, he's like, I'm sorry for earlier. Like, we're bringing up stuff. Like, there's a time and a place. It needs to be talked about. I'm I'm thrilled he's actually bringing it up.
0: We're communicating, but at the wrong time, bro. At the bro.
1: wrong time. What the Read fuck the are room. you doing? <laughs> and so the second they're done, he's like, I'm sorry for earlier. Like, but... <laughs> You two clearly use sex as a way to escape. So escape. Talk mm-hmm. sweet nothings about how much you love and appreciate one another. Use your sex because that's the one thing you're good at.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Use it to embrace each other, to find that comfort in one another. Don't bring your shitty communication about like trauma coping into your sex life because just wait until the sweetness of that is gone. Talk about hard things outside of the bedroom because that's going to be even harder. Mm -hmm.
0: And that
1: shows that you're actually like willing to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that really bothered me. I Uh, agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. And so as, as they're talking, the conversation kind of transitions and she begins to talk about her new title and he reaches for her again. (laughs) One more time. All right, well, let's go. But through the pleasure, she states she's not sure how she'll feel about being called a high lady. And Tamlin basically stops and was like, there's no such thing as a high lady.
0: I fucking hate that.
1: And hate she that. begins to talk about Lucian's mother's title. And Tamlin gets possessive and says, do not speak another male's name. I don't want to hear another's male's name on your lips right now. And <laughs> I will say... I I might as well add one more tick to the good lover. Because I do love that possessive shit. I
0: am all about that. Like especially like we've talked about before. Especially like for me it's only in the bedroom, but like especially in the bedroom. Like mm -hmm. yeah, I love that. Don't it's just all focus on me. No one else can have you. I don't even want to hear anybody else's name, male or female. Like don't talk about anybody. Yeah. What what else are you going to tell me to do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Tell me what Don't you want. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay. Chapter three. Farrah and Lucian head to one of the villages to assist with rebuilding, uh, courtesy of Tamlin's guilt. So I also noted here that they basically have the secret service with them. There's like eight sentries that are like... Posted everywhere. Tamlin is just. He's so paranoid. So. Farrah confronts Lucian. Regarding him lying about the Naga attack. Because we learned earlier that Naga. Attacked Lucian. And Farrah knew nothing about it. And it was like a surprise to her. When she heard about it. Um, and we learn later that Tamlin. Made Lucian. Like not tell Farrah about it. And to keep it a secret. Um, which I also. I hate that too. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. Don't leave me out of shit. I want to be in the loop. I never want to feel like I'm being left out of something. Like I, I hate that so much. Mm-hmm. So we get more of a little insight into Farah continuing, continuing to struggle with the color red. She sees Lucian's hair and she immediately goes into like panic attack mode for there for a second because she, feels like it's Amarantha's hair, but she kind of talks herself down from it. And she's like, okay, like Lucian's hair is a different shade of red. Um, and she also mentions that she has trouble with enclosed spaces under after the mountain. And she's like a whole list of places that she like can't be. This is so sad. Like you're finally at the spring court. Like you've rescued literally everyone in your world And you can't even go into the kitchen because it's too enclosed that it just breaks my heart for her. Yeah. And Farah makes an awesome point that she deserves to know about the Naga. And I agree with her after all she did for them. They should be telling her everything. She should be on some high council. That's like making decisions about like what the spring court is going to do next. Like, why are we leaving her out of shit? I like, even just the discussions of things. That's what makes me mad. The not leaving the manor, that's one thing. But leaving her out completely is just... Mm. Not okay. I have such... No, not okay at all. So, Lucian tells Pharaoh, look, it's hard for Tamlin to let you out of the estate because of how he feels about you. And they need rules and order to be able to recover from Amarantha's rule. And I love that Farah immediately calls Lucian out for being, like, Ianthi, because Lucian can't stand Ianthi, and Ianthi is, like, obsessed with Lucian and, like, wants to sleep with him so bad, and I love that Farah calls him out for that. hmm He deserves like, it. Yeah, and she's also, like, none of y'all gave two shits about me when I was a human, but now all of a sudden I'm high fae and I'm about to marry your high lord, and, like, now every move I make is being monitored. So, I love That's that she garbage. called him out on that. Mm-hmm. Lucian spews more bullshit about how Pharaoh will be expected to act a certain way when she's Tamlin's wife, including when the tithe comes around. And this part really gets me going. This makes me so angry. So when the tithe comes around, Lucian, I kind of skipped around a little here to make it flow better for everybody. We've all read this. So Lucian tells her basically she's expected to sit there and not say a word. So Lucian says that Tamlin's given plenty of people plenty of time to get their affairs in order. He's given them three months after Amarantha's reign to get their quote-unquote affairs in order. And I I hate that Lucian acts like Tamlin's so benevolent because he gave them one extra month, like past the due date. My god. (laughs) Tamlin should work for the, the IRS. He'd probably fit in very well. Oh, so, <laughs> Lucian tells Pharaoh that the, the tithe happens twice a year. Each fairy is taxed according to their status and their income. He says that if they can't pay it, they get three days to come up with the funds. And if they don't come up with them, Tamlin gets a special pass to go hunt them down. And my question is, what the hell happens when he catches them? Does he kill them? Like, does he throw them in fairy jail? Like, I, I'm confused.
1: Yeah, that just doesn't, it doesn't track. And it's like, also
0: bullshit. It is, because here, here's another one of my PowerPoint presentations, okay? Because <laughs> I'm obviously an economist and I know exactly how all of uh, the financial inner workings of a country works. Obviously. Um, <laughs> their economy, think about what, what COVID did to us in, in two years, right? And look at our, our economy in the U.S. Amarantha was ruling for 50 years. She had people locked away under the mountain. She had people in, we later learned, in encampments. like Like, you know that none of the shops or any of that stuff were open. No one was buying anything. No one had jobs. How the hell are these people supposed to get their finances in order three months? And then if they don't have the money, what are you supposed to do in three days? How do you, how do you liquefy anything in three days? How do you earn anything meaningful in three days? This like truly makes me irate. I'm trying not to just yell this entire time, but like, oh my God, it makes me so angry. So Lucian tells Feyre to give Tamlin more time and he'll come around to her being able to leave the house, you know, normal human rights, And yeah, this also pisses me off because he essentially uses the fact that Tamlin's family was slaughtered as an explanation for his behavior. And he tells, yeah, he tells Farah not. No, it's not. It's not an excuse. Mm -hmm. Not at all. I'm sorry. Shitty things happen to people all the time. And that is
1: my biggest pet peeve. That mm -hmm. is, I shit you not. Probably my biggest pet peeve is when people... Try to rationalize their shitty behavior because of something that was done to them in the past that was really shitty.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, to a certain extent, trauma responses, and you know, it, it kind of depends on the on the situation. But like in this scenario,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you do not get to traumatize your life partner and treat mm-hmm. your life partner like this because you were you had this horrible thing happen to you and your family. It's absolutely tragic and awful, but that mm-hmm. and I hate that Lucian tries to rationalize that. And I feel like a lot of times people it's not necessarily the person that went through it that rationalizes it. It's usually the people closest to them that's like, "Oh, they've been through a lot."
0: Give and them it's, and some it, credit. And it enables their horrible behavior.
1: It does. It does. Yeah. And like, yeah, I don't know. That's one of my mm-hmm. that's just one of my big things. It drives me nuts.
0: Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, And so basically Lucian says, don't make me pick between you guys. Because I have to do what Tamlin says. He's my high lord. And so it's always going to be Tamlin. And I just hate that they're all basically gaslighting Feyre And making it seem like her wanting to leave the house is, like, an outrageous request. And, like, it's not that big of a deal that Tamlin doesn't want her to leave. Like, could you imagine not being able to leave your house? I was stuck in this camper for two fucking weeks when I had, or ten days when I had COVID. And I truly went insane. Like, I would literally just stand outside. And even though my sats were dropping, I was just like, I just need to not be in the house. Like... It was terrible. And to not... To not be able to, like... Go walk in the woods... Alone... And have time to yourself... That would kill me.
1: And it's not even, like, the fact that... The fact that she can't go outside... Isn't even the worst part of it. It's the fact that the person she loves the most... Is the one...
0: Doing it. And also, Tamlin... (laughs) Farrah literally, when she was a human went and rescued your sorry ass from under the mountain, she can go wherever the fuck she wants, okay? And she's yeah. high Fey now. That It just, oh my god, it makes me so mad. Ugh, like I told you, this is gonna be a very explicit episode on my end, because this kind of stuff just makes me it just makes me so angry. Oh,
1: well, oh, Hannah throws the F-bomb like three times, It was
0: like, oh my god! I know, I never, I never <laughs> curse y'all. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I grew up good little Southern Baptist, and this is, like I said, new for me, but I'm like a pirate.
1: I've got a filthy mouth. (laughs) I love it. I'm rubbing off on you. You're welcome.
0: (laughs) Thanks. My life goal is to be more like you.
1: (laughs) So So say fuck more.
0: (laughs) It's my New Year's resolution. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So this part is actually like, I do really like this part. Because it really opens you up to to Lucian and just, like, also kind of what he's dealing with. Because remember, I told you, if like, in the very beginning of our episodes that Farrah's not the only person that is abused by Tamlin or that Tamlin is unaware of how his behaviors, like, affect them. Um, he opens up more about when his father killed his partner and made him watch. And uh, he tells Farrah I will never forget how it felt when I heard her heart stop beating immediate tears. I also have goosebumps right now. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that Lucian harbors some resentment towards Tamlin because he tells her, listen, Tamlin got what I didn't get because you got brought back to life. There happened to be all the high lords around and they gave you all life again. And my partner didn't get that. And I didn't get my happily ever after. So... Like, please stop complaining because other people are going through stuff too. And again, I hate that part of it because I don't ever think it's okay to belittle someone else's problems because you have something going on or for you as a person to make your struggle seem smaller because someone else is also going through something really hard. And I think it's really honestly just this tangled mess between all of them. And I just really think that this explains some of the behavior, but I just don't think it's justifiable to to lock fair in the manor. Like, that's just, it's not the answer. Mm-hmm. So they arrive at the village and everyone stops when they get there. And they, she hears people whisper, Farah curse breaker. And I have to say, I love this, this like nickname for her. My only other favorite Uh, nickname so far is Aelin's fire-breathing bitch queen. I love that one. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Love it. Um, So they go, and every village that they go to declines their help, and they basically tell them the debt is paid. And weirdly, I find this kind of sweet, because people are saying that the debt is paid because of all that Farrah did for them. And they're like, you don't have to help us rebuild this, like you literally gave everything under the mountain to save all of us. And I just have to say, at least someone in this picture is acknowledging the sacrifice that she made for them. Right. Because no one in the spring court in the manor is. hmm And then Lucian tells Farah on the way home that he only took her out today to show her that the people don't need her help rebuilding and that she's just a distraction to them. And this makes me so mad. Fuck him. Fuck like that. again. Lucian Ferris saved your sorry ass multiple times under the mountain and in general saved your life by like stabbing Tamlin in the heart and then like provoking Amarantha basically. Like I like have we all just forgotten this? Are we did some like chemicals invade our brains and we're just like forgetting who Fera is? Like Yeah. This it, it's astounding. It, it's truly it's mind boggling. So we also learned that Amarantha kept the commoners in camps. And I just think that it brings way more weight to what Farrah did for all of Prithian. Like Lucian was explaining those camps and it was I mean, it sounds a lot like like Nazi Germany camps, like like people Japanese, are, internment, camps, yeah. Japanese internment camps, like you're in these small spaces being enclosed. There's no food. There's like, people are going mad. Um, Like really dark shit was happening in Prithian. And fair is the reason that all of this like is no more. And basically what I'm gathering from everything so far is that this wedding is just a symbol of hope. And it's not really about Tamlin and fair loving each other. This is all political at this point. Like we're in like full game of Thrones you win or you die type like like everything you say and do matters mm-hmm. and it's just it's petty it's,
1: all it's petty. not fair
0: yeah it's not who Farah is at all and it's just so no. stupid after everything they've been through Ugh.
1: agreed agreed so the next chapter it's it's the night before the wedding and guests of all sorts are gathered in the manor and per usual Farah clings to ianthi uh, throughout all the commotion, for stability, and Farah has this stupid fake smile plastered to her face to make everyone else comfortable, right? Tamlin mm-hmm. insists, "Oh, I don't like it either," but she keeps glancing and seeing that he's smiling, and he is enjoying himself. Which, you know, if you enjoy it, that's okay. Don't say that you don't,
0: right? Um,
1: toward the don't end lie. of the night, yeah, yeah, and toward the end of the night, two males come up to clearly woo Ianthe, but eventually work up the nerve to compliment Vera and speak about the worm. And they kind of casually, not so casually look at her tattoo and they ask mm-hmm. if the high Lord has reached out. I love this moment. And I think this is a testament. This is like, this is good foreshadowing because this is the first time that Farah doesn't make herself look small. Okay. Mm-hmm. She wipes that stupid fake smile off her face and she holds an assertive stare with one of the males. When the <laughs> male tries to be macho and says, he's probably running scared now that Tamlin has his power back. She stares right back and says, then you don't know Reese very well at all.
0: Oh, m- man mm, props mm, snaps and mm, mm. snaps and claps, baby snaps and claps. I, I love that.
1: Yes. I love when women stand their ground and be assertive
0: mm-hmm. because
1: people tend to get uncomfortable with assertive behavior, especially
0: from women, yeah, um, and that's also bullshit. I hate that. Like, but it's yeah, so true. Yeah. it's it's so true. It's like, and also it's like that weird male ego thing of like, mm-hmm. oh, ta- like he's probably scared of Tamlin. Like, oh my god, you know what? When Rhysand shows up at the wedding, all of y'all little bitches are running away. No one does anything to stop him. You really, really think <laughs> that Tamlin stands a chance? It just makes me so mad. Like. Like, to make Tamlin seem like he's some big baddie. And Farrah's like, no matter how much I love Tamlin, like, Reese is just stronger than him, and it's okay to admit that. Like, yeah.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And I just like, yeah. People just, they they just have to, like, backpedal, and they get so uncomfortable, especially when Farrah's supposed to be this, like, blushing bride and just, like, Mm -hmm. smile and look pretty, and then she's like, Fuck no. Like, she just, like, puts that face on. And, like, the thing that kills me is that, like, that assertiveness almost gets, it immediate, get, immediately gets labeled as, like, oh, she's a bitch.
0: Right? Right.
1: I speak from experience because I am, I'm a pretty blunt person. You know, I, a lot of times I kind of, like, I, I kind of tread this line where, like, I people please mm-hmm. until my social battery is entirely gone and then I have no more capacity to people please and i like people probably think i'm like (laughs) like some sort of i don't know but no i i I tell myself
0: i've never seen you be mean to anybody else but like yeah i think that's a general human thing though right like you get to a point especially if you're like hangry or like tired like you don't have it's almost like you're removing that filter in your brain that tells you like Mm-hmm. whether even if you're not being like nice to the person like it's just like don't be mean but that filter has gone and you're just like i have no patience like you're just being an idiot <laughs> please leave me and, alone
1: and like yeah. a lot of times like if if i've kind of run out of that people pleasing which i mm-hmm. like i also need to work on but if i kind of ground myself and realize like actually address the situation head on which mm-hmm. if i like if i think about it, I'm, I'm pretty good at being assertive But every single time I do it, every single time I can you can just see that person you're talking to, like their perception just kinda changes and they're like, Oh shit, didn't mean to like push your buttons and I'm like, you you didn't push my buttons. I'm just telling you how I feel. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean I'm mad. That just means that I'm not kissing your ass.
0: Right, exactly. (laughs) Which which is what we're supposed to do as docile Ladies, we're just supposed to let anybody say whatever yeah. and we act like it's fine, but yeah, like I said, I'm entering my like era of my life where I'm just like, no. I'm not doing that anymore. And if it makes you feel uncomfortable, that's a you problem. That's not a me problem, homie. You need to get yeah. your affairs in order yeah. if that bothers you. So, yeah, I feel you.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I feel like like a lot of times I like for me I I get labeled as like kind of sassy or bitchy and I'm like, you know what? That's fine.
0: <laughs> it's fine. Who
1: cares? That is just fine. <laughs> and you know what? Anyway, no- I love this about Farah. I just yeah, love it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Me too.
1: Yeah. So as she doesn't really back down from this encounter and she just dismisses herself to her room. She's like, fuck okay, it, I'm just gonna go to bed. And she walks back and she sees Tamlin surrounded by friends and they're all laughing. Which is kind of it's it's a sweet moment if you look yeah. at it from like Externally, not through Pharaoh's eyes, but mm-hmm. when she was alone in her room, she said, I realized I couldn't remember the last time I truly left.
0: Um, which That's is, heartbreaking. That's
1: just sad. She's And as she goes to sleep, she has nightmares of the second task. She jolts from bed, opens the windows, and peers into the star-flecked night. Hmm. Star night. Why why do you that, look into the starry, beautiful night sky?
0: I love that that brings her peace. Mm.
1: So that morning. Got her dress. They described the dress again and god this thing is ugly. It's also, hilarious. can
0: we talk about can we talk but, about how Tamlin laughs at her it like when she shows him the me. dress initially? And I saw this clip of, uh, it was from friends where like Ross and Rachel are giving a uh, relationship advice to, I think it's like Chandler. And he's like, Janice said, do I look fat? And then I looked at her and then I said, no. And they're like, that's your first mistake. You never look at her like Tamlin. She comes in in the dress and you just, you don't laugh. You just say like, you can even ask her, do you like this dress? Like, that's what Riley would do. He'd be like, "Hmm." are you sure that like do you like that is that what you Mm want to wear if it is great that's fine i don't care like what it looks like i'm not a fashionista but like you clearly don't like this maybe wear something else See,
1: okay (laughs) see this is where i disagree with you i love that he laughs at it i think that's fucking hilarious because she knows it's hideous she knows she looks horrific it it makes her feel it makes her feel so bad (laughs) she knows it's hideous She knows it's hideous. It's not a shock that he also thinks it's hideous. If I walked into a room in a dress that looked like shit, and Ben was like, "Hmm, what do you think?" I would be like, "I know you think this is hideous. Why are you (laughs) masking it? Like, do it. Like, outfit, homie. Like, I'm like, why are you like?"
0: I think it's. I think for me, the biggest thing is that it's her. It's because it's her wedding dress. Like, if it were anything else, like. Riley has laughed at me plenty. I mean, Riley laughs at me all the time because I just do crazy shit all the time. And also that's just our relationship. But like, but if it was, if I like walked out in my wedding dress and he laughed. She doesn't
1: care. She doesn't care about her wedding dress.
0: (sighs) But she's always like, she's like, no wonder Tamlin laughed. I don't know. I just feel like it really does bother her, but that might be me reading into it because that would bother me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess like, I don't know. Maybe for me, like, I'm about to get, like, I'm going to get married in the next, (laughs) I don't know, God, six months. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you don't care. Like, I don't really care as much about about that stuff. And that's fine. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that it's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I get where you're coming from, though. It's, it's, It's hella rude. (laughs)
0: and it's it is rude but i think it just is very telling that's just we're different in that way like i am way more sensitive about that stuff like really for me it's like it would only it would only bother me if Riley ever laughed at me in in my wedding dress if i was naked like like and i'm trying to be sexy or in like lingerie and i'm trying to be sexy like if if i was laughed at in that kind of way there's a difference between laughing while mm-hmm. you're intimate and being laughed at. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. No,
0: I agree entirely.
1: <laughs> so, this this was crazy because she like she's like oh this dress is shit and then she's like walking down the stairs to walk down the aisle in like a second flat.
0: This threw I'm me. like, Whoa! When Alice like this fluffs her also dress, also threw me. I was like, yeah. What? Alice is like fluff fluff. She's okay, going right now. See you later. And she's like, this will be over before you know it. I'm like. Guys, do, does does everyone see that Farrah doesn't want to do this? Like, why are we making this happen? Yeah, <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a production. Yeah, so it's she like walks a play. Out. It's awful. So she walks
1: mm-hmm. down the, sk- the stairs and she's nervous. Um, And the doors open and she sees hundreds of people gathered oh, to God. watch her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Again, immediately brought back to the trials with everyone watching her.
0: Ugh.
1: She looks down and sees rose petals red rose why the, petals
0: why the fuck would she told ianthi not that's the one thing where i'm again, like sure ianthi's Ayanty, been a good friend to her fuck but you. yeah i that yeah no that's not acceptable and that's again, the one really thing shows, she asked for
1: yes and it really shows like the how she feels about herself in this moment because now when she's spiraling into her like ptsd she is immediately going to i'm not worthy of these people this red mm-hmm. is is just making me think of the two fairies that I killed, two of their people, and I killed mm-hmm. them. How am I worthy to be here right now? How am I worthy of this high lord? And she said, "Quote: Every step was too fast, propelling me towards the dais in Tamlin. Red flag, red flag on the court. Throw it up, throw yeah. it up. I, yeah. That is, you yeah. should want to run." to him you should not be like oh shit this is too fast oh shit oh shit oh shit
0: right because truly like when we got married I'm I am also not like a person that likes doing things like getting married was just a weird thing in general there are people there watching you and the only thing that grounded me was I I couldn't tell you who reacted how what my the groomsman's like facial expression I was only looking at Riley the whole entire time to to be like my anchor and the fact that she's just like the closer she's getting to Tamlin the more she's freaking out is like you said it's a it's a red flag
1: yeah and she so she stops in the aisle and fairies begin muttering and Tamlin reaches his hand out and Ianthe encourages her encourages her to continue walking to her beloved and Mm -hmm. she Farah is begging internally Help me, help me, help me, save me, please, save me, get me out of this, end this. So she's like internally screaming. Mm -hmm. This is like that ultimate oh shit, I've made a mistake and I need a way out, an impossible Mm -hmm. way out. Yeah. Thunder cracked behind her, guests (laughs) gasping and screaming. And through the night, like smoke on a wind, she found reasons straightening the lapels up. Labels out of his
0: jacket. Hello, Sarah, yes. darling. Yes, I love it. This will be the clip that Riley and I do before this episode. The I just love that. Like mm. the way they describe him entering is so epic. I'm obsessed. Oh my god! Th- this is truly. I I was pissed when this happened the first time I read this book, but like I said, I think the second read of this is just I'm I'm loving Reese so it's been way more enjoyable so far <laughs> all right chapter five Reese is in the house woo, woo, woo. I'm so excited thank God Reese is here Reese enters the wedding oh, yeah bless up mm, doing the Lord's work with the straightening the lapels and the lint picking and the hands in the pocket give me all of it please um. So, Reese enters the wedding to collect on his bargain and insinuates that Farrah thinks the wedding is over. So, what's the big deal? Tamlin tries to make Reese leave, but to no avail. And he gives in, and Reese takes Farrah away. They winnow away. Oh my gosh. So, I love this the dripping sarcasm, the. Just Reese's general countenance. I love it so much. And also. I thought you might like this point. I wanted to add that when Tamlin isn't doing anything to keep like Farrah there with him, like I just think back to when we read from Blood and Ash and and spoilers for that, like I said, 30 seconds ahead. If you want to skip through, you haven't read it. I don't remember exactly what book and I don't remember exactly how this went, but wasn't there a part where the like queen had um, Poppy captured and Castile was like, please, like I will literally do anything as long as you don't hurt her and, and return her to safety. And he like ends up being her prisoner for like a long time. Like she takes him instead. And I'm just like, why can't Tamlin bring some of that energy? Like he's just so, passive he's just like please anything and then okay well just don't hurt her yeah
1: castile like tamlin could use some of castile's like passion and like undying like i will literally do anything i will slit my own throat before mm-hmm. you take her yes and it's like like tamlin Yes, we all know Tamlin's not as powerful as Rhys, but Tamlin's a High Lord. Tamlin's very powerful. He could give Rhys a run for his money. He could, and then yeah. if Farah and Lucian and you have you have three hundred guests, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, you could at least
0: try. Right? He's, he's he's just not doing anything, and it seriously. Oh, oh God, it's the biggest. It's. Yeah. But, yeah, we're we're we are doing we're we're going to do blood and ash we have to it's just castile I,
1: I castile
0: castile Castiel is everything and yes i love them so much they have very like reese farrah energy and i'm here for it okay so i also forgot how terrified everybody is of reese and how they're all like <laughs> scrambling to leave and ianthi like disappeared like ianthi is not a ride or die she's like the cops show up and i'm peacing out i do not have your back i am not an alibi like uh-huh. <laughs> she she is just like out of there and i just thought that was very telling it me so of, like, high school parties
1: i guess you, you may not relate <laughs> to this but like
0: no i won't relate to this
1: in, in high school <laughs> go ahead. And, like when one of the parties gets busted and everyone's like get the book out but some people are like there to help their drunk like they're There's always a few people that are absolutely shit-faced and there's, like, a couple people that remain to try to help those people who are super shit-faced get away from the cops. But then there's, Uh like, the certain people that are just like, fuck that, I'm out. I'm gone. Just running. Just from, like, hell from the cops.
0: That's I, Anthony. There's, like, a a dust trail to where she's headed back to her, (laughs) like, wherever her high priestess hideout is. Her temple or whatever. God, I hate her. Okay. Let's leave... The spring court, because honestly, I'm over it. Yeah. All right. Reese winnows them to the night court. And it, it sounds incredible. Take me there now, please. Smells of jasmine, moonstone framing, sweeping mountain landscapes. Um, Amber and I both took quizzes to see what our court was, and we both got night court. And I told you that I think it's because we love the mountains, honestly. Yes. <laughs> um, and Reese tells Farah this is his private residence. So he brought her to his house. And again, I'm like, mm. yes, please take me to your private residence. <laughs> There's lush plants and rugs. It's like open concept. Uh, it's warm and snuggly. Like, this is like an HGTV like dream house, like where they mm-hmm. win the lottery and get like a crazy home. Um, so Farah is immediately angry. <laughs> And Reese is just like, "You're welcome." And he explains to her that he heard her like calling for help, and and I also love that Pharaoh's just like continuing to deny this, even though it's like, like she he heard you calling for help. Like you can just admit that you you wanted out. Like it's okay. And then I also love that Reese is like super amused when Farah like gets pissed at him. Like he's just immediately intrigued by her and like, oh, like you could just say thank you. (laughs) And so Reese pokes fun at Farah's dress again. Everyone's just shitting on this dress. It must be so bad. Like, totally. I want. To, I want to see artwork of this dress. I need to. Maybe I'll look that up on Instagram later before I go to bed. Yes. um So he's making fun of her dress, and he calls her out when she's like, "Stop shitting on me! You don't know me. You don't know Tamlin. You don't know our relationship." And Reese is like, "Excuse me, I haven't been able to sleep because I get woken up every time you have a nightmare." And every time you're puking your guts up because you're sending it down the bond. And he also kind of calls Tamlin out because he's like, has has Tamlin been up with you while you've been throwing up? Has Tamlin noticed how you can't make it through the night sleeping? Like, he's really just going for it. And I, I'm like, yeah, these are all of the points I made earlier. Reese also makes a valid PowerPoint presentation. Love a high lord that can drive his (laughs) point across. (laughs) So Reese explains to Feyre, "Look, you're not a prisoner here. You're my guest. You can do as you please while you're here at the Night Court. You can come and go, whatever. I don't care." When she questions him about his subjects, he explains some of them dwell under the mountain that this house is on. Amarantha modeled her court after this she did it very poorly and basically reese says he hate he hates that she she did that um and so farah is like oh shit he's probably gonna take me there at some point because in her mind she's still like reese is this awful person that you know i can't trust and she begs him i mean she is like full on begging him not to take her there and he tells her i'll never take you there and that that part of his court is basically like, it's just his job. Like he has to stop in every now and then, but basically it kind of runs itself. Like, you know, it's basically just shitty people doing shitty things and there's not much to really preside over there. <laughs> so Reese continues to be a smart ass towards Pharaoh, <laughs> And she's so mad that she hurls her shoe at his head. <laughs> Once again, surprising him because she actually hit him in the head with it I love this Uh (laughs) and he is Uh livid he is pissed and she's getting ready to throw the second one and this reminds me of like a toddler like he's like I dare you I dare you to throw this at me and she looks at him and she chucks it at him anyways Uh (laughs) and then he turns he catches the shoe and he turns it To dust in his hand. Oh my God. I'm just fanning myself real quick. He is so powerful. Holy cow. He just like misted a shoe. Oh my God. So (laughs) I just have to say, Farrah's also brave. And once again, Farrah's giving Reese shit. She's pushing back. He hasn't unalived her yet. Like, why can't Tamlin do the same thing? This is, again, just further proving my point. Patting myself on the back here. Okay, so Mm -hmm. then Farah's like, fuck this shit, I'm going to bed. So she leaves, and as she's leaving, we hear a mysterious female voice taunt Reese. Well, that went well. Oh my gosh. It's more! We love more! We love more. Give us more more. I want Mm -hmm. more to have her own... Like let's get the Azrael book, and then I want a book where Moore and Emery are like just head over heels in love with each other. Mm. I'm here for it. I'm very here for that. So Farrah's in her room now. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> again, this is why we belong in the Night Court. <laughs> it sounds so luxurious. <laughs> There's a large, fluffy bed. There's no glass on the windows and it has a balcony pool sized bathtub like it's like going over the edge of the of the balcony let me just say resand has style this mm-hmm. house i want to live here and i also have to say how nice as a girl who grew up in the south y'all mosquitoes are the worst anybody who lives in the south can testify and honestly even from my time in maine like the east coast in general there's just too, there's just too many bugs To not have to have screens or like actual windows to be able to magic that away, like to not have to worry about bugs coming in and just having an open breeze into your house at all times, and then also having it magicked warm so you don't have to pay an outrageous heating bill. Like, that sounds incredible. (laughs) Adult me is Mm -hmm. geeking out about that a little bit. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love it. And also that bathtub sounds incredible. I love baths. That's my least favorite thing about living in a camper while we travel is that like I'm just a sucker for like drinking half a bottle of wine, reading half of a book, and just being immersed in bubbles. Like that is my Absolutely. dream Saturday night. Yeah. And like I can't have that now, so I'm really jealous of Pharaoh's bathtub. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> she realizes that the quality of the room kind of shows her like, okay. I really am, I'm a, I'm a guest here, right? Like I'm not a prisoner. Reese is trying to keep me in comfort. And she's finally also admitting to herself that Reese saved her from having to like verbalize to Tamlin in front of 300 people that she didn't want to marry him at that moment. And Farah, this I can relate to the immediate need to feel like you need to apologize to someone or to explain yourself. And justify why you're doing what you did. Thera wants to explain herself to Tamlin and Ianthi And she's like, I mean, maybe we can get married after the mating bond snaps into place. And the fact that she thinks that the bond will somehow prove to her that like she deserves Tamlin is, again, just so heartbreaking at how little she thinks of herself. Like... Oh, man, I can't get over it. So finally, she's the only person actually talking since here besides Reese, because she's like, hmm, maybe, you know, it might be a good idea if we wait to get married until Tamlin also deals with what happened under the mountain and some of his trauma. And I'm like, yeah, no
1: shit. I agree.
0: Like, <laughs> could, could we not have figured this out? Like, after he proposed to you and wanted to get married so soon, like, maybe let's just wait. We've been through some awful shit and let's just be engaged for like a year and do some therapy and then like circle back and see how we feel about this. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I know that it, like I said, I feel like it's just this symbolic thing and not really like considering how either Tamlin or Fair, because Tamlin probably also wasn't feeling super great about it either. I mean, they're both going through some stuff. So, I agree with her here. Let's take some time. Time out. Let's mm-hmm. reconsider.
1: Right.
0: So, Farah shoves away her hideous wedding dress and gets in the bed where she cries herself to sleep. The next morning she wakes up and our beautiful, spy, badass friends Dunwala and Caredwen appear and they knock on her door. Oh, they're so great. I also love that they become friends with like Elaine, like they're just baking in the kitchen together. And I'm like, yes, I could use some baking buddies. Like, I'm just going to go bake with Nuala and Caredwin. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so they appear and help Farah get ready for breakfast. And as sh- Farah is bathing, she feels Reese tug on the bond, basically, like, calling her down to breakfast. Because he tells her, I think, the day before, like, and you will have breakfast with me tomorrow. Hmm. So she gets dressed. And honestly, her clothes sound really cute and comfortable and like way more Thera, even though she like hates them right now just because they're night court clothes. But she describes them as like high-waisted, billowing pants and a crop top. And I just immediately, my brain goes to Princess Jasmine. Like the like flowy. Yes, I'm sure we're not the only people that think that, but like she does have like a turquoise one that she talks about like later on and I'm like oh my god that is Princess Jasmine's outfit basically (laughs) um so yeah she enters the dining room and oh my god the breakfast table laden with food and the view of the mountains I like this is where I'm like honestly I want to live in a fantasy novel if not for the brooding morally gray men who will murder people if they inconvenience me in the slightest like for the food like you guys know at this point your girls like to eat and I'm just saying breakfast is my favorite meal of the day and if I walk down and there's just like mounds of fruit and like pastries and muffins and oh my god tea and coffee I would literally spend hours eating breakfast every oh my gosh that sounds great we need this service when we hang out on the weekends and we don't get around to eating until like 2 (laughs) p.m because we're too lazy to make food (laughs) (laughs) ben
1: Ben usually makes us breakfast
0: ben does chef ben coming in strong with the brunch truly Mm. it's so good ben brunchy ben
1: (laughs) Ben.
0: (laughs) (laughs) we'll get him a shirt that says that um (laughs) so reese is lounging at the breakfast table in true reese fashion And Farah tells him that she assumed it would always be night at the night court. And he responds that they abide by the laws of nature, but that nights are so beautiful there that actually some people in the court stay up all night and sleep during the day. And he explains that the nature of each seasonal court, so like fall, spring, winter, summer those are linked to their high lords. And the high lords are the ones who cause it to be like perpetual spring or summer, but that the solar courts are more just kind of like they're symbolically named. Um, which I think is really cool. And I also have to say, I bet the people in the night court, a, would really know how to party and B, it must be incredible to be like a night shift nurse at night court hospital, night court general, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can you imagine, like, everyone's actually happy to be awake at night? It sounds really cool. (laughs) Because I'm not that. 10 p.m. rolls around and I'm like, good night. Granny Marge is hitting the sack. So, Reese notes that Feyre has lost weight. And he kind of, she notices that even though, like, he's kind of, like, making light of it. And he's smiling. She can still tell by his eyes that he's, like, actually, like, genuinely concerned by the fact that she's, like unhealthy and unhealthy weight um and Farah questions him how the bond works since he knows that she hasn't been sleeping or able to keep food down and he explains to her that the the bond that the bargain created is like a bridge and it links them like the door of each of their respective minds to each other and the the door of their minds is like a shield and he explains that you can train the shield to your mind to prevent people like him from infiltrating it. And he explains that he part of his power is that he can slip into minds without the bridge. Um, but that someone like her as a Fae might be able to at least try and keep him out for longer or people who are weaker than him, you'd be able to actually keep them out. And this really upsets Feyre as I think it would anyone. I mean, our our private thoughts are just that they're private. And what you vocalize is what you choose to put out in the world. And it's really a huge invasion of privacy that he can read her thoughts, especially when she was human and she didn't know it. But now basically she's mad at him and he's like, listen, most of the time you're sending this my way. And it's just like being shouted at me down this bond that we have and basically the only time I go into your mind and you don't know about it is when I can't tell if your nightmares are real or imagined. And I just have to say, can you imagine, like, she is his mate and he knows that. And he's waking up to her basically like not knowing if she's actually in real danger or not. That would be terrifying. And he is also probably not sleeping.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, that would be really scary.
0: Yeah. And so basically, Farrah asks, like, what do you want from me? Like, why am I here? And Reese just tells her, this week, I'm going to teach you how to read. <laughs> <laughs> Simple enough. Right.
1: That's it. And the next chapter, Farah is like, mm, no, thank you. I'm good. So, like, <laughs> reverting back to like early on in the Spring Court when Tamlin first found out she couldn't read, she's like, nope, nope, nope. It's like her ashamed response is to be like, defensive and so she's mm-hmm. like no but she realizes now after all this shit that's happened she's like I really need to read but I don't think I want you to teach me
0: <laughs> understandable
1: <clears throat> and and as they're kind of jabbing at each other Reese is like you're rather strong for high fay. and she's like am I <laughs> she's <just> like a <laughs> sassy kid at this point I love Uh-oh. their
0: dynamics so much
1: yes and the next thing we know we meet Reese's female equivalent in beauty she's absolutely (sighs) dazzling we recognize her voice it's his cousin Moore
0: oh my god beautiful inside and out oh my god I have such a crush on Moore I love her
1: (laughs) (sighs) I love her she's just wonderful
0: she's perfect anyway
1: back to the reading Pharaoh's like this like not being able to read almost caught me my life cost me my life and others lives And so she sits down with Reese and tries to work through the embarrassment of the situation. And she's doing a lot better than she did the first time around with Tamlin. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so she sits down with the first sentence. And she struggles to read it. You look absolutely delicious, Sarah, And she's Mm. astounded. But then he immediately slips into her mind and tells her uh, the fashion of the night court suits you like oh furthering God. his point and and this is like okay from our perspective i'm like oh yes mm-hmm. absolutely but she's yes. a stubborn b mad three now scared yes and he uses this terrifying power like kind of cusping on her mind's threshold to scare the living shit out of her and convince her to practice shielding mm-hmm. and she's actually mildly successful which is really
0: cool mm-hmm. and i do think that's cool
1: yeah it it shows that she's not human
0: right mm-hmm. humans
1: can't learn stuff that fast mm-hmm. we just don't um after a while she kind of comes around and asks about the bargain and she says after the mountain i think we can agree that we don't owe each other anything isn't it enough that we're all free so she's kind of insinuating like let's not have this bond anymore let's not have this bargain i want out Yep. and he just says, "I'm not your enemy, Farah." And immediately, she doesn't even have her own thoughts; she can just think that, think of what Tamlin would say. She's like, Again. Well, "You're Tamlin's enemy." Tamlin says, "You're the enemy." Mm-hmm.
0: Another sign of emotional abuse, like
1: yes, and it's it's gross how she doesn't even think for herself anymore. And and Reese doesn't exactly appreciate the call out, and he he slaps back. He says that her quote unquote friends. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing a little. Right. Our uh, shit, and she's <laughs> pushing all of her problems away, and it's just making it worse. And in true form, Farrah like doesn't even respond and just like brushes it under the rug. Like that's just typical.
0: Oh my god. And yes. so Reese
1: leaves, and is like, "Keep practicing your alphabet and your shielding." And she does for an hour, and when he returns, she again has actually improved significantly and he's impressed but at the end she like she has enough control at this point she throws the the wall down says prick and puts it back up (laughs) which i just i find that very entertaining i love it i love their banter
0: uh, i've
1: said it before it it just like i resonate with it so well because mm -hmm. ben and i just shit on each other a lot very loving but like it just reminds me of this
0: like yeah it's cute (laughs) it's fun it's playful it's like it's way more intriguing than like Tamlin who's basically just like trying to control her every thought and move and like that's just not fun at all
1: Mm -hmm.
0: or interesting
1: right right and so this chapter wraps up they're done with their practicing and Farah follows Reese throughout the castle she doesn't really ask questions. She just follows them and they find themselves in a chamber at the top of a tower. And what she sees is a massive map of their world covering one of the walls. And she's stubborn as always. And she doesn't ask questions she clearly is curious about. And when Reese probes about what she sees, she says, a world divided in two and Reese asks, do you think it should stay that way? Your human family would be deeply impacted if the wall came down. She's like instantly terrified. She's like, could this mm-hmm. actually happen? Like, when is it going to happen? Why is it going to happen? And Reese just responds, "Because war is coming, Farah." Uh,
0: like, it gives me
1: ominous threat of like she doesn't understand shit. She's back in that same spot that she was episode one, Ep- mm-hmm. you know, those first handful of chapters in Akatar where she's like. I know nothing. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't understand uh, the threats to these lands. I don't understand. Reese and his power. I don't understand anything from the Supreme court. Cause Tamlin left me in the dark. So like still mm-hmm. she's, she's still finding herself. Now she's not the naive human. Now she's the naive high fae, which is almost worse because now, now it's like she's ignorant, right? She's not naive anymore. Yes. She's cusping on ignorance, but it's not her fault. It's because everyone around her isn't sharing crucial information.
0: Yeah. They're keeping her ignorant, which is like also like classic cult behavior, like purposefully keeping information from people and like putting them in negative head spaces. And yeah, spring court is feeling like a cult to me at this point. Super culty. So
1: that's the end.
0: Oh my God. Six chapters it was worth it. Cause we're going to start getting into way more fun stuff soon. Yes. Sooner rather than later. <laughs>
1: yes, Agreed. Hmm. So big ideas. Number one. Yes. <laughs> miscommunication trope.
0: Fuck you. It's, it's uh, my all time favorite. Not, I hate miscommunication tropes. And really, I think the biggest thing with this is just that it's not even like your classic, like, like Cruel Prince where it just takes forever for them to finally be on the same page and like you know actually realize that they're more companions versus enemies it's the idea that that,
1: how did that not bother you 500 times more than any other book you've ever read because
0: it's a weird weird enigma I don't know what it is with the Cruel Prince why I liked it so much I just simply did I cannot explain it I think I texted you too where I'm like I'm like how am I liking this because it's miscommunication and you guys miscommunication is one of my least favorite tropes. So, And I yeah. can
1: actually tolerate miscommunication pretty well. Um mm-hmm. like the Hades and Persephone series um has quite a bit of that.
0: Yeah, it does. That, especially that in the bothered last book. me. Yeah.
1: But but it's not even close to It's cool not.
0: Print. It's not. And I, you're right. You're very right and I cannot ex- it's n- it's not explainable. I don't know why. But maybe someday in we'll terms- find the rationale. So someday when I'm sitting on my therapist's couch, telling her all my life problems, it'll like some weird thing that happened in my childhood will explain why I liked that book. But like, but like, I think, um, like for the miscommunication in this, there's just so much more to it from a perspective of like, these are people who are both hurting and they desperately, desperately need help. Each of them do. And who better to understand them than each other? They've gone through the same exact thing for the most part. And so it's just so hard to watch these two crumble for such a small, like if you just talk to each other and then if things don't work out, once you talk fine, but like you have to talk to each other.
1: I think, yes, I think what you just said, just like brought a light bulb in my head because you look at Farrah and Tamlin and, and them, They don't find a common ground in their trauma, which Mm -hmm. sometimes when you find, you know, I'm speaking from like my own, my own trauma and, you know, being surrounded by people who haven't been through what I've been through. Sometimes it's really hard, especially like Mm -hmm. my nearest and dearest who like want to understand. Mm There's just, there's, there's no way to understand a lot of things unless you've experienced it nor do I want my nearest and dearest to have experienced what I did um, right. but there's something truly special and unique about being able to talk to someone who has had a similar experience Um that's just very grounding and very like it just makes it it's just grounding I think that's the best yeah. word I can I can explain it with it's it's not that And I just find that it's really interesting that her and Tamlin can't find that, but later on we'll see that her and Reese do find that Reese, when he's surrounded by his inner circle, his inner circle doesn't get it. They weren't there obviously. So he Mm -hmm. can't share his trauma of that experience without making them feel bad. Right. Mm -hmm. And and they don't, they don't make him feel bad about it, but he almost feels like a burden. Like he's making them feel guilty for something that they didn't have any control over. Right. Like, in his experience, like he can actually talk to Farah about it and they can talk about that horrible experience together. You know, Farah doesn't understand the depths of his trauma there. Right. But she was there and they can at least talk about it and share some of that burden with each other and take some of that weight off of each other's shoulders just by having that mutual understanding.
0: Right. But yeah, I agree. I, and I,
1: I, but I don't think, ta- unfortunately, we kind of talk about this a lot. Yes, Tam, what Tamlin went through under the mountain was bad, but did anything... Like, nothing bad happened to him.
0: No, ever. he, just, Not he just he just watched Farrah go through hard stuff and didn't say anything. Once again, yes. like... If, what the fuck? I just can't... Someone that you love, even if it wasn't a romantic partner, I can't imagine seeing someone do something to your very close friend or or your significant other and you just sitting there like hopefully if I just show no emotion things will be fine. Yes, and but like,
1: Farrah and Reese both actually had horrible things done to them, explicitly done to them. Like, Amarantha had it out if Amarantha, like Amarantha's top two people on her shit list Mm -hmm. are those two. I mean, like, yeah, she gave Reese more power and like, Reese eventually gained her trust, but like
0: Reason, but she also sexually abused him. Yeah, and the so. reason
1: Reese was in that spot is because she sought him out to harass him and abuse him and torture him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you know they they really have that in common, and I think I don't know. I think that's special. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the other big idea is silent suffering that Farah really gets gets drug to the depths of her sorrow and depression and she just man
0: she needs she needs yeah she needs help she needs and I think I think what I love about Reese and Feyre is that truly like they start out once they get past all of this initial misunderstanding each other well, mostly on her end, where she still thinks he's a bad guy, like, once they become, actually become friends, I really think that his friendship is, like, healing for her. She needs, like, an actual friend, like, Mm -hmm. to just talk about things with and to understand her, and, you know, I just think Hamlin's not giving her that. When you, when you're with someone romantically, like, I just think a really important aspect of your relationship should be like your friendship. And that's Mm -hmm. the part that outlasts any romantic feelings whatsoever. And I just think that like even Tamlin, like how is he not like seeing that there's something deeply wrong with her and that she's struggling, like she's losing weight. That's a visible sign. Like, that's a red flag in itself. Like hearing her hurl her guts up every night, like there is silently suffering, but she shouldn't have to be because I really do think like Tamlin should have reached out to her and at least just asked her, like they just went through this huge traumatizing ordeal and he's not even asking her if she's okay. I don't get it.
1: Yeah. 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 So it's, it's just kind of, it's sad It's a, it's a little like I feel a little depressed reading perspective because that I'm like, we're all probably like this to an extent, but just very emotional. Mm I get emotionally attached and like I feel like I'm experiencing what she's experiencing, and it's just yeah, it's like it's like Reese is like the, is like the shining the shining light. It's like we have this little glimmer of happiness, and you can we can feel that now even even when she's annoyed and he's kind of a jackass, but he's still, a, he's still a light in the darkness. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. He's sparking and he sparks that within her, that passion and like is bringing her back to life essentially, because she's just like this husk of her former self. And she's mm-hmm. so withdrawn inside herself that she needs that. And I'm glad that it's not to the extent he was doing it under the mountain where we talked about that, how he didn't like that, but like he, he, that's kind of how she responds. She needs that like input and she's getting it from him. And I'm I'm all for it. So yeah. Yes. That's chapters one through six. I'm so happy that we're in Mist and Fury. Even though I'm sad because is our bestie and she's sad, we know that she, you know, things do change for the better. So I'm just like yes. oh God, I'm so excited to reread this. Yes, we love it. <laughs>
1: all right that's a wrap okay
0: that's a wrap so next week um should we say chapters seven through 11 let's
1: do 11
0: yeah yeah um and we'll post on the instagram that you should also read chapter six for this episode so you'll have known that and then like we said just look ahead on our insta if we have any changes in the chapters we'll post it there um, thank you so much for choosing to be a part of our book club. We appreciate your support and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify or Apple podcasts. That's very helpful to us.
1: And then feel free to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at house of wind pod. Also email your theories or burning questions for the next handful of chapters at house of wind at gmail.com. This information can all be found in the show notes. We will talk to you all next week stay smutty